0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the CEO Story. And we've got a fantastic twist on today's podcast because we've got one of the best storytellers in all of America here to share some of his tips and tricks. So we'll introduce Mike Ashley, who is the uh, founder and owner of Ink Wordsmith. He's also the co host of his own Changing the Story podcast. He is a Forbes columnist an entrepreneur magazine columnist, and a former professor of a university. So Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. How are you doing? Thank you, thank you for having me today. I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, fantastic. I recently came across your work and it was I really loved the take and kind of the framework that you use. So I'm really excited to kind of go through your storytelling process and creative process and help share that with others so they can learn how to express themselves in a different way. So can you kind of take, take it away from there? Sure. Well, uh, that, that's a big subject. So um, where would you like me to start? So when people are putting together a story to either explain what their business does or sell their products or services, what would be a good starting point to be able to kind of help other people or cold people digest that? Sure. I think the first thing that you want to do
1: is you want to think about who your audience is. That's the number one question. Uh, there are six questions that I, I go through anytime I'm writing a book for a client, and that's the first one that I, that I ask. I also talk about things like, you know, what is the problem that you want to solve? Why are you uniquely qualified to solve that problem? Those are the kinds of things that I I usually ask about. Um, But yeah, having that audience in mind is very important. So I'll give you an example. I'm giving a presentation on Wednesday And uh, part of the the presentation is I go through the questions that I often go through when I'm writing content um, on an ongoing basis. This is different from writing a book. This is me writing articles for my clients or creating their web copy. And when I do so, I ask this question. I ask them who their audience is. And what I say is you don't want to be too general. And the example that i give is um you know it's, it's counterintuitive but when movie studios are thinking about who to reach they don't say this movie is for everybody because then it ends up being too generic and appealing to no one in particular and so you see this right now with all of these franchise movies for the avengers or even a few years ago talking about um holiday rom-coms like love actually those are very segmented specific audiences and so when you're creating any content especially a book or wanting to do storytelling it's very important to put yourself in the minds of the audience and to be empathic to think about what matters most to them
0: fantastic so now let's fast forward through this step where you've you've got your client avatar ready and you've really dug into that what would be the next step after that to kind of persuade this person to either watch the movie or come check out the business? Uh, What's next?
1: Well, I think the important thing to remember is that the heart of all storytelling is conflict. The more conflict that you can include, the better. And conflict doesn't always mean that people have to kill each other or there has to be actual fighting. But conflict means somebody wants something and they cannot get it. And for whatever reason, it probably comes back to our evolution. At least that's what my former... A film uh, a screenwriting professor used to say he thought there was an evolutionary reason why we were drawn to conflict. But if you think about something uh, like Keeping Up with the Kardashians or any reality show, how do they get you guys hooked? How do they get us hooked? They do it through conflict. In that case, uh, in, in Kardashian's case, it's usually a train wreck. Um, it's, it's over the top. It's crazy and ridiculous. But for whatever reason, we're drawn to the conflict. And so in a similar vein, uh, thinking about what it is Uh, that your client's problem is or your prospective client's problem is. If you can put yourself, again, empathically in their shoes and think about what it is that's vexing them. So for instance, if it's a B2C thing, it could be uh, a a client needs a great divorce attorney, right? Because they're uh, going through a a bad marriage and they're trying to find the right divorce attorney. If it's a business, B2B, um, it could be something like they want to find a way to cut down on their accounting costs. Whatever it is that their problem is, that is the conflict. And how are you uniquely qualified to solve their problem? You get them invested with the conflict, what's bothering them, what's ailing them, and then you offer your solution. When you're thinking about your solution, it's also good to think about, again, what is specific? What makes you uniquely qualified to help that individual? Going back to the example of attorneys, there are a lot of attorneys out there what makes you the best attorney if you're an insurance agent we all know a lot of insurance agents presumably what makes you the best insurance agent so including all of this information in your story is extremely important
0: so that's then looking at kind of your unique identifiers or your differentiators and stacking mm-hmm. that so it kind of gives you that level of authority over the others exactly well not even
1: just the authority but it also humanizes you so uh, for instance, if you're the kind of person, uh, I'll give you an example. I, I wrote a book, uh, or actually I edited a book for my client, and he is a lawyer, but he's also a, a sports agent. And so a lot of his clients that he's representing, are, are, they come from at-risk backgrounds, childhoods. They uh, usually um, come from a poor background, and they have been in trouble with the law. Well, Kurt, my, my client in this instance, had that background. He grew up in and out of juvenile halls until he completely turned his life around. He got into the right foster care situation and his foster mom saw something special in him and she helped him get, get the, to the next level with his career. And so if, if, the, if you're putting ourselves in the shoes of his potential clients once again, if they have a choice between working with an agent that understands what they're dealing with or someone that
0: doesn't, they're going to work with Kurt because that humanizes him. Got it. So it's a level of empathy and understanding and seeing if if you do have things in common as well. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. And then what about the next step after that? Well, I mean, I don't know
1: what kind of content we're talking about. Are we talking about a book? Are we talking about an article? What, What kind of story are we talking about?
0: Is it vastly different for each type of thing?
1: It can be. Um, so for, if you think about it, an article is short form, generally, um, if we're talking about a 500 or 700 word article, those are the major things that you want to include in it, uh, around a story, right? A story in which you can spotlight your client is the hero and you were the person that guided them to that solution. That's pretty much what you want to accomplish in an article. If we're talking about a book, which is a longer form content. You have to sustain the interest of the reader for a longer period of time. And the same thing is true if we're talking about a longer video so what's the kind of content that we're going to include in really
0: there? business owners so if we're talking about a business wanting to sell their products or services mm-hmm. uh, that would be more in line with i think the majority of people listening and what kind of content would they be creating um anything from a website to like like you said a pdf lead magnet or something along those lines to once people have hit a website they then get that next level of engagement where they'll trade an email address for a lead magnet that can lead to then a call or a sale or something along those lines. Sure. Well,
1: if you're talking about a shorter form content like that, and if you're definitely talking about a website, I would highly recommend that you have third-party validity in it. And what I mean by that is having a testimonial and there are two, type of, two types of testimonials in general that I'd recommend. One is the everyday person that has used this product to great effect, who can be an evangelist for you. And just, you know, regular everyday person, used it, had a great experience. And then the other would be the so-called expert. And uh, so let's imagine that we're talking about toothpaste. We're selling toothpaste in this example. The first example would be the person that uses toothpaste, the regular everyday person, and their teeth are, are much wider, they're very happy about it, they're not getting cavities, great. Uh, the second example would be you have a, uh, an acclaimed or esteemed dentist behind you, or maybe a dental group, or let's say even a dental organization. If you have those testimonials, it's third-party validity. It's one thing for me, Casey, to tell you something that's fantastic, but it's something very different if these other people who don't have to, presumably we didn't pay them off, uh, to say this about it, they're saying it out of, the, out of their own experience and they can attest and back up the things that you're trying to say. I very much recommend this. It's extremely important if you are you have a website to include this. And it's a small thing, but it's important too. include a picture of that individual. Or even better, include a video. Um, if you're going to include a video, I highly recommend subtitling it because oftentimes people will be in a situation where they can't hear it. Let's say they're in a library or somewhere else. Uh, you don't want them to lose that that content, what they're saying. So you can have it transcribed and people... Can, uh, can read it as well. But those are very important things that you want to include.
0: Got it. So some good tips there for people who are trying to sell via their websites to get some good types of testimonials, either or, um, and then from that, create a good video if possible, transcribe that so that people in all situations can really resonate with that. And I hear that a lot in terms of a lot of the marketing people that we speak to is that video is uh, – a higher convert in method what have, what are your kind of thoughts around that well I think that people tend to go with conventional wisdom and if for the
1: last few years people have said well video is the best thing to convert because LinkedIn and Facebook their algorithms skew towards video from a personal perspective um, I find videos if I'm going on websites I find them distracting I don't know if you've had the situation where you go on a, uh, a website, and as soon as you get there, a video starts loading, and then you gotta, you gotta minimize it, or you gotta close it.
0: I'm um, playing more than anything.
1: Yeah, right, it's, it's frustrating. And at the same time, I'm that um, kind of person who likes to uh, read information as opposed to watch videos because I can go much faster when I read. If I watch a video, unless there's an option to speed up the video, I have to watch the whole thing. And this can be especially important for people who gets stuck, you know, if you're trying to find an answer to something, let's say you're trying to find a way to jumpstart your car. To me, I find it annoying where I have to uh, buffer across three or four minutes of them explaining something else till they finally get to the point where they're gonna explain it. So my recommendation would be to do both. If you, if you can include the, the written content and the video content. But I also wanna say that just because people tell you the video content, is so, it converts so well, I'm not, I'm not necessarily assured of that. I think that oftentimes when it comes to something as nebulous as marketing, there's all these people that seem to have the answer. Um, I would say do what works best for you. For instance, in my own business, what I've personally found is the referral network works much better for me than any video would, um, any article would. Although articles do help my business in certain ways by profiling me, it's really the relationships that I'm building. And so if that is your kind of business, if you're not – uh, converting people based on just them coming to your website and getting a lead magnet, it's really important to think about how can you use content in the best way for your business. Now, give me an example. I work with a lot of professionals whose uh, clientele literally are clientele. They're clients as opposed to customers. And when I think about a client, they're usually someone in, in a service position, right? Um, and so these are things like professionals, generally um, accountants, financial planners, lawyers. Yeah. Yeah, people like it. yeah, exactly. So to me, there's a different kind of content that you want to produce. For those people, especially that offer high-end services, well, then the best way I would say to position yourself is to use content to create presentations, do speeches. A really wonderful way to use content, in my mind, is doing that because I think about a speech, it's kind of like a one-on-one with somebody, except you get to have a one-on-one with 50 or 100 people And there's a lot of business that can come out of doing content that way. Another example, of course, would be to do webinars. Although I think webinars, um, people, especially as we've gotten into Zoom fatigue, I think people are are turning
0: away from webinars like they did just a little while ago. Some key pieces of information there. So that kind of leads me into the next question is talk to us a little bit about your own business, how that started, how you took it from inception to where it is now five years on and and kind of that journey?
1: Sure absolutely so I'm from the midwest I grew up in St Louis Missouri and in college I was a playwright I was a newspaper reporter but I knew that I wanted to write for a living and I knew I wanted to be a screenwriter so I transferred went to Chapman University got my master's in screenwriting and then I worked in Hollywood in development for two years for the head of the literary department at Creative Art Creative Artists Agency and while I was working during the day in insurance, I was writing at night, and I got into a special program at Disney where I got to work with Gary Marsh, the president of Disney. There were six screenwriters that got into this program, and I was one of them. Uh, at the end of the week, they bought one movie idea, and that was the treatment that, that I wrote. It became Girl vs. Monster. It was very successful for Disney and allowed me to pivot, leave my, my day job, and start my own company. Um, and around that time, I began working as a copywriter and as a ghostwriter and so since 2015 uh, my, my company has done very well it's a content marketing company that i started with my wife It was actually her idea uh, we met in film school and she said look uh, why why should we even bother trying to get hired for the next job why don't we just start our own content marketing company we had connections in in the bay in la and orange county and in san diego area and she was absolutely right so five years later I've written more than uh, written 26 books for our clients. Four have been bestsellers. They're on a range of subjects. So I generally ghostwrite for a lot of CEOs, Um, and I we also provide uh, content marketing in the form of blogs and articles and web copy. And I also consult with many different organizations on their content marketing, on their storytelling. So I help them in terms of putting together their podcasts. I help them put together their eBooks and generally I help them with their branding and their messaging.
0: Fantastic. And then you have your own podcast and you've been a columnist with talking about AI and all these other fantastic subjects. How do you kind of weave that in with your day job and kind of doing all these things at the same time? Sure. Well, a big reason when my wife and I started our company, both of us had
1: bad um, experiences in, in corporate America. And we didn't like what we were feeling that's why i left as well okay good and we decided that we wanted to do something different we wanted to make sure that whatever we were putting out into the world was putting good into the world and to not just be making money for money's sake and so when i write for forbes my so-called swim lane is ai and big data but I use my background. My undergrad was in philosophy, and I try to think about the human aspect. Although I'm I'm always talking about business and about ways to be more successful, I'm also bringing the conversation into what does this mean for humanity as a whole. And it's no accident that the AI book that I recently co-wrote with my client launched at the United Nations AI for Good Summit. We are very much in favor of thinking about ways in which we can embrace this technology and use this technology in the service of mankind. It's not just about making more money. It's not. It's definitely not about exploiting people. And it's about making their lives better. And so in the early part of the pandemic in March, I wrote an article <clears throat> for Forbes in which I, it was something uh, along the lines of, let's change the story that we tell about COVID-19. And I was envisioning what the world could look like If we learn lessons based on this very tragic experience, how could we reshape our world for the better? And so I went back to Neil, that was my my co-author on the AI book, and I said, hey, what if if we created a podcast together called Changing the Story? And we looked at a host of issues that are challenging humanity from all kinds of disciplines, but especially technology and and the AI sector, and said to every single um, guest, the question would be, you know, how could we change the story for the better? And then the rest of the conversation is how we get there. Um, and so whatever I'm writing about, whether um, I'm going on a podcast or I'm hosting my own podcast, always in the forefront of my mind, I'm thinking about how can I improve the world? How can, I, how can I make it a better place? Because even when I'm giving presentations and storytelling, I never want to lose sight of the goal that it's not just about making money. Yes, making money is a huge part of it but I, I truly feel that if you are aligned in your purpose, then the universe will conspire to help you when you're aligned in your purpose to help other people, other things will get out of your way it 's almost as if the universe will help you move you along to do the things that you want to do, and of course, uh, one of the major benefits of that is being more successful, being more profitable
0: oh wow fantastic that That was great just hearing that and I resonate with so much of that story as well in terms of. You know, being successful, starting your own business, leaving corporate America, kind of branching out. I also, you know, write for Forbes magazine, have my own podcast. So there's so many different points that I'm just trying to absorb there. So thank you for sharing that, Michael. I like to end by asking one question. And that is, if you had to um, distribute into three quarters, sorry, into three thirds, your success between drive skill and luck how would you apportion that that's a really good question i've never had that question before
1: um so we're breaking into okay the percentages is that what we're talking about okay i think that i would say wow i'd say it would be 50% drive 40% skilled actually 55 50% drive 45% let me think about that for one second 50% drive 45% skill 5% luck is what I would say on that um I I mean other people have said too you know luck is just being at the right place at the right time but I truly I know that I am the hardest working person that I've ever met um I'm always thinking about my business I'm always trying to anticipate problems or opportunities and uh I'll give you an example back when I was um first graduated from uh, film school. I was working, uh, had a day job, insurance. I was doing coverage by night. I was producing a show, uh, a web series, and writing for it. And at one point, I was even doing the coverage for some other people. I got hired uh, to do their coverage. I was ghostwriting their coverage because I was trying to take on and make as much money as possible. So at any one point in my life, I'm, even now, I'm juggling multiple, multiple projects and it's all based on that drive. Um, drive is, is very, very important, of course. Skill is too, but I think drive is, is really what it's about.
0: Yeah, I love the saying that, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. I think that there's a lot of truth. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I'll, I'll say one more thing too is I think that that
1: um, passion, I mean, drive is also in some ways synonymous with passion. And I think it's contagious. Anyone that's worked with me, any of my clients, I, I, know, I have no doubt would say I'm passionate about it. When I'm interested in, in what they're doing, and, and usually, unless there's something that I disagree with, in that case, I won't work on their project. But all the projects that I'm working with, with my clients, I'm extremely passionate about and present. And uh, when you have that passion, it gets them excited, it gets your audience excited, and it just leads and it's like a snowball effect, a snowball effect of positivity.
0: I love that. Yeah, it's all about energy, right? If you bring the energy we all resonate on a higher level. So I love hearing that. So what we'll do is we'll put the link to the Inks Wordsmith down below so people can come check out your website. Uh, Thank you so much for your time, Michael. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank
1: you. Thank you for having me.